Hello everybody and welcome to the technical area, your weekly football manager podcast brought to you by me, your host Gaffer Gramer once again. It's been a little over a week since FM21 has landed on our PCs, a little I suppose over the 72 hours since we've had the game come onto our phones, tablets, Xboxes and the Switch, well if you're waiting for the Switch launch of fm21 seems to be waiting just a little bit longer but nonetheless it seems that we are now fully almost gripped by fm21 and the fm21 era and you don't have to go very far just to find what fm21 is bringing some have gone to create new adventures in far-flung corners of the world Some are beginning on epic journeys, close to home. But nonetheless, FM21 Bug has bitten and the game has roared into life. This week's pod is our 50th. And it's, as per usual with these kind of every 10, 5, 10 episodes, we kind of look at a manager and focus. And I suppose having a 50th one, it's nice to celebrate managers out there. And I left the community kind of decide who the manager would be this week from past, present. And this week, you've not already noticed by the podcast, but it's dedicated to the late and the great Jack Charlton. So I can't wait to get talking about Big Jack. But first, just I suppose we better talk a little bit about FM21 and Gaffer Graymo and what's exactly going on because it hasn't exactly been a straightforward week or so, week or ten days for me. See, I've played multiple pre-seasons with Atlanta and I've struggled with the same issue kind of cropping up but in different variations across the save and I've touched on this on the blog and a few MLS issues have arisen for me. They've Some of the same ones have arisen for others. Others have had different issues arising. And after much frustration with FM21's launch, I've had to scrap the save. There are people out there who might be able to figure out the issues, but I am not one of those people. I have struggled with the Atlanta. And I don't know if that's been why I've struggled to get into FM21 as well. And although not too long ago on this podcast, I spoke very much with the temptation to go and manage Shelbourne. And it is something I'm still seriously considering and weighing up for FM21. You know what? I suppose the, the mind space I've had since the, the relegation of the club has let me calm down and refocus and put all my eggs in the Atlanta basket. And I suppose with Ireland, the way the season works traditionally is it's a calendar year season. So starting in late, kind of late February, early March, continuing to late October, early November. Obviously, COVID this year has kept it going into December. But, you know, I'll let the Irish transfer window take place. I'll wait for the winter update to drop before, you know, I decide what I'll do there. But the thing is, I know by waiting and having this clarity of knowing what I want from the Shelbourne save, if I go ahead and do it, it's left me with no idea to manage. Now, last year when I left Velez, um, I went on a bit of a journeyman save. And my time in Europe was with some of Europe's biggest clubs in Europe's biggest leagues. So this time, without any idea of where to start, I restarted FM21 unemployed 
on the MLS starting date again, which was the 14th of December. Not too far away, actually, from our current time. And within a month, I found myself with a job managing LASK in Austria. With little knowledge and understanding of the club and the league, it's a fresh start for me in FM21 with a team who's underperformed to date in-game. Obviously, they did a great result tonight against Tottenham, 3 all in the Europa League. So, you know, I certainly have, you know, some big shoes to fill and plenty of high bars to reach for as well in-game. But look, we'll get there so far. So good. But we'll have to wait and I'll have to give myself a little bit of time to kind of get going with the save. I've only played the one league match so far. But FM21's features as well, I suppose, have got a lot of people talking. You know, and there's a lot going on. So there's a bug fix out today, yesterday, today, I believe, that helps with the youth development issues that was arising, that the youth intakes were only happening in playable leagues and in the non-playable leagues it wasn't happening. And there was many other fixes, hot fixes put out, so hopefully, you know, the the game, we can see a little bit more of a, a smoothness, a little bit, you know, better performance out of it. But obviously, I, I don't know if it's just me, but I kind of feel like this game is a little difficult, isn't it? Um, it's a little bit more difficult than FM20 from what I can remember. And it certainly feels an awful lot more difficult than the beta because I remember scoring goals for fun about a month ago and now I'm not scoring goals at all. My first goal at last came in a friendly. I scored one in three games. And then in our first league match, you know, we've, we've certainly struggled, so... I don't know if it's the match engine, I don't know if it's me, but, you know, it just seems to be a little bit more difficult this year. Now, I haven't joined it, like, the recruitment meeting has been a nice touch. I'm not 100% sure of how I'm going to be using it with the recruitment strategy, but that's a future pod in itself. But tactically, it seems that playing centrally, playing through the middle, and, you know, overloading the central areas of the pitch seems to be, you know, a must, or, you know, Certainly something that's slightly overpowered, given the effectiveness of true balls. I lost a friendly last night to a team playing three central attacking midfielders. So you have an AMC, an AMCL, and an AMCR, I think, the way they refer to them as. And to be honest with you, I couldn't deal with the three of those when they got the ball. And they were passing into that one striker they were playing behind. So it seems to be very, very powerful the ability of these three central players, that artifact that my team are not yet very familiar with the tactics I'm playing, but nonetheless, that three central midfield, attacking central midfielders was very, very difficult to deal with. But it's, and I'm not trying to say this, that I'm not enjoying the game because I'm struggling with it, because I am finding it difficult at the start. And whether it's a hangover from Atlanta or not, and the fact that I don't really have much of an itch to play, I'm not really sure where to go, but after talking to FM Heed and I talked to Jim G today, I now have FM Touch on my iPad again. I know every year I say I'm going to play it and every year I buy it. And, but no, I've bought it yet. I've bought it this year and hopefully, you know, it'll get me going on the evenings where, you know, I'm a little bit pressed for time and I can't commit to the full, um, the, the full game like I normally would. But fingers crossed, hopefully we'll be starting that up now tomorrow at some point. Ronnie, let's get into Big Jack. Let's get into the, what episode 50 is all about. You see, Big Jack Charlton is a rare individual. 
a unicorn almost in society. Because he lives fondly in the hearts of both Englishmen and Irishmen. Thanks to his contributions to the football teams of both nations. But also because of what he brought to the people of Ireland at a time in our country when life was at its most bleak. You might have seen the Tifa video recently. You might have seen the documentary Finding Jack that I'm itching to watch. I can't wait to watch it. But to give you a bit of context, if you don't really know what Ireland was like at the time, obviously the Troubles was raging and, and, you know, Ireland was deemed as a very dangerous place, wasn't deemed as a very safe place, and Irish people were not seen too fondly across the world. But the thing about Ireland as well in the 1980s was, look, a lot of people's memories, I suppose, might be a bit of a greyness attached to the overall picture of Ireland at the time. The country was gripped by fierce recessions. There was political instability. Emigration and drug use were huge among the young people in Ireland. And especially when AIDS kind of came in as well, you know, there was a great sense of fear in Ireland at the time. It wasn't, you know, this great place to live and this picture of happiness and cheerfulness that's been painted all across the world in the years since. Because in controversy, the FAI appointed an Englishman to the manager's job after Ireland's failure to qualify for the 1986 World Cup. And it wasn't just an Englishman, but a cornerstone of Sir Alf Ramsey's 1966 World Cup winning side. And possibly one of the greatest ever players to wear the white of Leeds. And that was Jack Charlton. And you see, it's not only Jack's, you know, influence on the football team that raised the Irish. When the Irish, when we, you know, qualified for tournaments and when we got the chance to go abroad and be a part of these big tournaments we've only ever seen on television beforehand, we wanted to, so share the best parts of Irish culture and paint a picture of the Irish as the people that we know we all are at heart but we kind of wasn't something that was shining out of the world at the time and Jack was the man who brought I suppose the Irish in the Irish and if you look at the mightyleads.co.uk it's a fan website there's a nice little just you know biography of Jack there and I suppose the one thing we all have to remember Jack is he is Bobby's brother. And although Bobby lit up the world for Manchester United and England, Jack, I suppose you could say, was the man who kept it upright. A no-nonsense central defender who spent his entire playing career at Leeds United. He won a League Cup championship. He won the second division title. He won the FA Cup. He won League Cups. He won Fairs Cups. So Jack was a decorated player at club level. And of course, has that World Cup winner's medal as well to his name. And last week we spoke of legacy. And I suppose there's one manager there, like Jack, whose legacy, you know, is felt right across the world because of the manager, the person he was. And unfortunately, 2020s, I suppose cruelty. 2020s, you know, have been a tough year. And, and unfortunately, 2020, we lost Jack this year in July at the age of 85 now on the day of his funeral all Irish radio stations simultaneously played our Italian 90 anthem written by Larry Mullen of U2 put him under pressure it's an Irish 
You know, it's one of those songs that just gets everyone going. And you looked at the news and you see people talk about the legacy, the memories Jack left. You listen to the players. You see the celebration of his life. People of all ages across Ireland and England. And I suppose that's a measure of the legacy, of the difference that man made in the world. And I suppose for me, I met Jack. I was very fortunate. I met Jack when I was 11 at a book launch for a fishing friend of Jack's, who was also a friend of my granddad's. And of course, being 11 years old, Jack Charlton, awestruck I was. I was Jack signed and gave me a copy of the man's book. I still have it. One of my prized possessions still. And, you know, Jack being the man he was, oh, do you play football? What position do you play? I said, goalkeeper. He says, let me see your hands. Show Jack my hands. He says, they're good big hands for a goalkeeper. And I felt 10 foot tall. Some little compliment like Jack. And when Jack left the Ireland job in 1995, after losing to Holland at Anfield, qualifying for Euro 96, 20 years later, he turned up at the Aviva Stadium unexpectedly for the friendly between Ireland and England. Now, it was a dour match. It was I remember sitting there then. It was terrible. But when Jack walked out before the match and waved at both sets of fans, I look back to pictures, the videos, and it still gives me goosebumps. And you see the emotion on the man's face because it's being cheered from every corner of the ground, from the English fans and the Irish fans. I can't imagine what it meant to Jack. Was playing legacy brought success to Leeds in England. But in Ireland, he got us over the line. He brought us to international tournaments. He helped Ireland become a nation that believed in itself again. And made us proud to be Irish again at a time where being Irish wasn't exactly, as I said, the best thing in the world. And I know many people still to this day hold that negative image of Irish people against us which you know it's understandable in some ways i guess but how did he do it how did jack become this man now i've links below there to the irish examiner the irish mirror plan of football and the 42 where i read and researched jack's tactics and i suppose the legacy left by jack because you see in irish football there's two eras and this is where i'm going to really be focusing more on jack's kind of dynasty jack's legacy at ireland we've two ears the pre-jack charlton era and the post jack charlton era now a lot of coaches who came before him like john giles and liam Tuohy, mcmegan and own hand helped lay the foundations for any future success ireland had it was jack who took us over the line jack got us there jack brought the best into ireland and brought the best out of ireland we weren't an impoverished team talent-wise before Jack. We just John Giles. Again, an, a player who got much success in England. Liam Brady. Arsenal. Juventus. Sampdoria, amongst others. We had these quality players. But it wasn't until Jack's arrival that the quality and success came at the same time. Now, Jack arrived, he wasn't exactly coming in with the best of, you know, of the best run of form as a club manager. 
he'd enjoyed some success in club management with Middlesbrough getting up to the top flight. He won the manager of the year in 1974. That was an first season in charge. He spent four years there, six at Sheffield Wednesday, where he got Sheffield Wednesday of the old third division. But just before Ireland, he'd had an unhappy 14-month stint at Newcastle. In the pre-season friendly, he was booed by the fans against Sheffield United. And they chanted, we hate Charlton. In typical Jack Charlton fashion. And the man's quite furiously said, well, the crowd is exactly get what they want, get exactly what they want. Jack walked out on the job. Now, to be appointed Irish manager, Jack beat off Bob Paisley, who just left Liverpool. John Giles and Liam Two had been nominated for the job again. And it's safe to say the reaction in Ireland was mixed. You know, one article even said that two such capable Irishmen should be passed over as an aberration, but one for which Charlton cannot be blamed. The Englishman is now in the invidious position of being a compromised manager without the full support in the corridors of power or one field on the terraces. Because of course there is a strong anti-English kind of sentiment in Ireland amongst a lot of Irish people. And that would have been born against Jack at the start. There was, And the thing is, Jack also had quite an abrasive approach as well. When it came to dealing with journalists, Eamon Dunphy in particular, and a tendency to get the names of footballers wrong or forget them entirely, and that often added fuel to the fire of Andy Andy Jack Brigade. But see, the thing is, when Jack took over after the 1986 World Cup, he said he'd seen nothing new at that World Cup. And by saying he saw nothing new at the World Cup, he then said, and did something different. He brought something different to Ireland. Now, if you want to be very crude about Jack's football, it was direct long ball football. But the credit for the nuanced approach that Ireland had under Jack Charlton is harsh. Some say it was to bring just, it was a basic, very, very crude approach to bring success to a nation that had no success. And the thing is, Jack was criticised for this. Saying he was wasting the talents of the gifted players he had at his disposal by playing at a way that was beneath him. Chris Hewton said, for me, it's not divisive. Jack played a system that was effective. It got the team to the European Championships and to two World Cups. But there was always a thought process that went on behind it. Was it direct? Yes, it was. Was a very 4-4-2? Yes. But what people shouldn't think is that there wasn't a thought process or a method behind it. Jack wasn't afraid to change individuals within the system. And there wasn't, and there was always a game plan for the opposition. There's no kicking away from the direct style of play. But people shouldn't be fooled that that's all there was to it. Because Ireland's football may have required primitive individual pieces of play but it came from one of the most sophisticated minds in the game even if he didn't always describe the game in the best and most sophisticated of terms that's a great quote I really love that's directly taken from 
one of the pieces down below, but it's a fantastic quote that just sums up the Jack Charlton era. And Jack Charlton as a man. You know, he was, might have been primitive, and it came from a sophisticated mind who didn't talk in a sophisticated way. Because see, Jack looked at football in a very simple way. He looked up overall patterns of play. And people give Marcello Bielsa the credit for looking at football in terms of patterns, not in terms of these individual moments taken out of context. And so by saying what he saw nothing new in Mexico, this is obviously what Jack meant. That he saw no change, nothing in the patterns of play that was different. And so being different with Ireland, Jack said, it's going to be very straight. We're going to play this way. We're going to get the ball. We're going to put it over the fullback's head. And we're going to have runners in behind. We're going to close everything up. And we're going to turn the whole back line. As soon as they're turned, we're on our way. Because see, Jack felt international defenders were never tested. And the teams never did much to try and exploit the acres of space that would be left in behind opposition defenders. Instead, the game was caught up between the two defensive lines and the space that they had that they both faced into. Because he, and then so our Jack's direct way of playing was beyond these defensive lines. But it wasn't just long balls and tackling and pressing, because that's what Jack did. They pressed high up the pitch. But Ireland was played to the corners. Fill open spaces behind the defenders with rushing players in. Bombard the box from these wider spaces and force opposition errors. And that's how Ireland got goals. Very simply, very effective. Put the ball into the corner, get the ball into the box and attack. And you see, the thing with Jack as well is he also observed that teams relied on a playmaker to get them going. And that if the playmaker didn't get team going the team didn't get going so what jack did was very simple don't have a playmaker commit yourselves forward can we do this on football manager yes can we be very very effective yes we can can it work i don't see why not pass into space by more direct passing set your pressing to high ask your defenders and your goalkeeper play long kicks be more direct maybe use a pressing forward up front and a target man or a poacher and a target man and you tell them to stay exactly where they are not to move from their positions to hold it and then from your midfield have players that push forward and have at your back line no nonsense players Players who are committed to keeping a good, solid shape. And fullbacks who are capable of putting good crosses into the box as well. To bombard from these wide spaces. Like Ronnie Whelan played wide for Ireland for a time. A very, very capable player at Liverpool. In the middle of midfield of the ball. Ray Houghton. But it was the more direct style. A talented footballer that worked for us. Now when our Italian 90 dream came to an end. When Paki Bonner's Parise felt a Toto Scalacci. And he sent us home with that finish. Jack Charlton 
the character, the man, came into life here in the dressing room. And this, I know it's not exactly to do with football, but it's one of my favourite quotes. And I heard Andy Townsend say it recently. He said, As the Irish players were gathering up their bags, Jack turned around to Packy Bonner and said, By the way, the effing Pope would have saved that. Now, not long before that Italian game, Ireland had been the guests of the Pope in Rome, and Packy Bonner. And the Pope, Pope John Paul II, had a good conversation. As you see, before he was Pope John Paul II, Karol Wojtyla, as he was known, was a goalkeeper in Poland. So, of course, making a beeline for the Irish keeper. Again, I suppose, put a target on Packy's head after that mistake. And Jack, the man, Jack's, you know, sense of humour, Jack's character came out there. So interactions like that can happen to football manager. We hear Chris Wilder even say it. We spoke about Chris Wilder a long time ago now, it seems. But that in these individual, knowing what to say to the right players based on their personality, we can now see their body shape and their expressions in-game with those little smiley faces on the screen in a match. So knowing what buttons to press with the right players, Jack shows that it can prompt a response. Now the thing is, as with every manager, often happens the performances tail off dramatically towards the end of their time in usa 94 you know ireland's tactics i suppose weren't exactly suited to the climates of orlando and jack was even sent off at one point banned from the touchline because of his fury at the officials for the lack of water being supplied and the lack of water breaks something we see now modern managers even bringing up in press conferences Something that was a very topical point of view during the, the re- Operation Restart back in July and August when the, Prem- or when the Premier League was getting back going after the in the, the, heat of, the heat of the summer. But Jack Charlton left an indelible mark. And even his biggest critics had responses to say and could only admire the difference he made. One of his biggest, most fierce critics, Eamon Dunphy. If you want to know how big of how big of a character Eamon Dunphy is in Irish football just go on YouTube when Eamon Dunphy his YouTube highlights will certainly enlighten you but he wrote Jack Charlton is, in, is different he's a non-conformist he was honest belligerent insensitive and bloody minded Jack doesn't give a damn what anybody thinks he's in other words the stuff of which good wartime leaders are made he is MacArthur rather than Gandhi. And the football manager, we can be all of these things. Whether you create a character, or the manager is you. Why not be honest in press conferences? Belligerent, insensitive, provoking the players. Why not be bloody-minded in your goals? Why not give a damn? Why give a damn about what everyone else thinks? Why not just be you? Because even though Ireland are dulled to the Wimbledon of international football. We were a team that many even refer to as like Derek Potter of today's, the, the Today newspaper called us, a collection of misfits and mercenaries. But by the end of Jack Charlton's era, the decision to appoint him was a masterstroke. 
Like Jack Charlton was second only to Rena's Michelle's in the list of the top international managers of the year put together by World Football Magazine. After the success he had with Ireland. Now, in terms of success, we got to the tournament and we did well. In our nine World Cup matches under Jack, we only won one. And we scored only four goals. Like Dunphy said, the minority who know their football well enough to distinguish between fact and fantasy have long since decided that even though the show was great, the football of the Charlton era has been too often lousy. But we have to ask the question, if Ireland didn't play Jack's way, organised, pragmatic, the green wall only been breached 41 times in Jack's 93 games, beating Brazil at home for the first time, we beat Germany in Hanover, would that have all happened if Ireland had gone for someone else? Perhaps not. Perhaps you wouldn't have gotten to one of those tournaments. Might have gotten to one. But we would have had those memories. I don't know. I'm just going to finish off with some quotes from Jack Charles in that epic Italian 90 song, Put Him Under Pressure. We got a fight for the World Cup. Go and compete. We'll prepare and go and do our best. We'll put them under pressure. The games were being effective, being aggressive, winning the ball, getting on with the play. We'll put them under pressure. It's not going to be easy for us, but it's not going to be easy for them either. Reinflict their game on the people, put them under pressure. So maybe the next time you load a football manager, look at your tactics. And this was a slot for you to go and put them under pressure. But just before you do, if you haven't already, would you like to subscribe to the podcast? If you haven't, maybe leave a positive review. Share the episode on your socials with your followers if you've enjoyed it. Thank you to all those people who got involved on the Weirder Community Interactions. They're a vital part of the podcast. Thank you very much. You'll find the links below to my site, to the Twitters for me, Gaffer Graymo, in the technical area. And you'll also find the links to those articles which I heavily leaned on and quoted directly in some places, paraphrased in others for this episode. If you like the music, Pond 5, that's your place to go for stock image, footage, music, you name it, it's there. Not a sponsor, not an ad, just credit where credit is due. But look, thank you very much for listening. I've thoroughly enjoyed this episode. If you haven't, watched the TIFO video on Jack Charlton. Listen to their interview with Andy Townsend on the Charlton era. And even if you're even more compelled, check out that Finding Jack documentary. I know it's definitely available on iTunes. I'm sure it's available in other places as well. But otherwise, enjoy your FM21 time. Stay safe as we enter the holiday season. I hope you have a joyous time with you and your family. I'll be back again next week. I'll be back again in two weeks' time. Three weeks' time is Christmas Eve, so we'll have to wait and see. But then we'll have the chats before then. But I'll talk to you beforehand. Stay safe. Bye now.